Welcome to the New Beginnings Community Church Podcast. Here at NBCC, we welcome the imperfect, flawed, and broken, as much as the healing and thriving, because we are all God's children. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to be with you today. Everybody having a good day so far? Yeah, really? A good one? Okay, you guys all worship God? You feel good about that? Somebody screamed, that's really good. I'm glad about that right there. Well, today we're going to continue on in our, um, we've been going through Acts, as you know, for a year off and on. And we're going to continue today. We'll eventually get to chapter 24. Today is our chapter. But I want to start a new verse that I want you guys to learn. And I'll share one little quick uh, part of it. And every week I'll give you another little piece of another little piece. It's Colossians 1, 13 and 14. I want us to read these two verses. And then we'll get into the message. This has nothing to do with the message if it's your first time here. One, two, three. Here we go. For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. Next verse. In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Now, let's go back to verse 13. I just want to go back for me there, uh, John. And uh, it says, for he rescued us from the domain of darkness. I just want to jump on a few things here first, and then we'll move into the message. The first is, is that he is God the Father in this text. He rescued us. The word rescued, that Greek word, is the idea of a current, a river. It's, we're in this river. He rescued us. But he's rescued us in this river from something, and it's called the domain, the domain of darkness. So Satan, it says, has this domain. He has a certain authority. Now notice it didn't say from the kingdom of darkness, because Satan does not have a kingdom. Amen to that one? Because Satan is not a king. God, our Father, His Son, Jesus, is the king of the universe, Correct? And so now you see there's a a lower, lower, lower power level. He's got a domain, but he doesn't have a a kingdom. And so we know that God has rescued us. We know through Jesus Christ, he's got this current, this river that's pulled us in away to him, away from this domain, this power, this authority of the enemy. Amen to that one? And aren't you glad for that one? Anybody say amen right there. Okay, good. We'll leave it at that for today, and then we'll go more and more into that verse in the weeks to come. So today I want to talk about uh, the danger of delay. And I have a question. And uh, the question is this. Have you ever had, and you got to think back in your life, you know, in time. Have you ever had a moment where a window of opportunity opened up and to make the decision to jump through the window, it would, it would have been a really good thing. It had a positive thing. And that window opened but you delayed the decision. And you delayed the decision, and that window, which was open, eventually closes. And never did it open again. And uh, that, dis- that, that decision, that window, would have been so impactful that it would have really set your life on a certain course of some good stuff. It might even change your whole life's direction in a real positive way. But the window opened, Delayed the decision, didn't step through it, and the window closed. Have you ever had a situation like that in your life? Have you ever experienced something like that? Yeah, it, it, it's a terrible thing to look back on and realize, man, the window opened, and I wish I would have stepped through, but I didn't. So, so with that said, I, I want to say with that, that's, there's a danger sometimes 
in the delay of a decision is there not and so there's sometimes you just got to jump through the window it was the right window you got to go through it but if you delay the windows open and the windows and they close well today we're going to look at a man eventually but he's in the story in Acts chapter 24 his name is Felix and he will delay a decision and what I'm going to do today is I'm going to do an intro uh, I, I think in your notices I'm going to start verse 1 but I decided I just can't cover 25 verses in the opening commentary on a Sunday how many know Jim it's impossible for me to do that okay because we'll be here just through the commentary and so we're going to start at verse 14 and then we're going to take three points off of verse 25 because Paul's going to give us a three point message and his third idea in verse 25 will springboard us into this delay idea the danger of delay because Felix will delay a decision now with all that said let me begin by giving you um, the lead up to verse 14 in Acts chapter 24 where Paul is right now Paul is um, he is on trial he's the defendant the, the prosecuting attorney is to tell us the, the judge who's also the governor is Felix and so you've got this courtroom set up now there are three aspects to the charges against Paul one, you know one of the big frame, mainframe apostles now the first one is a personal charge against Paul and earlier chapters they called him a pest question is Paul a pest to the non-believers yes he is so the charge is true right and whenever you share the gospel with people and it goes against what people believe, don't they kind of look at you like, this guy's a pest, right? Because you won't leave it alone. So that's true. But then it goes not just a personal charge, there's a political charge against Paul. They say he's an insurrectionist. Is that true? And the answer is, no, not true. It's a complete fabrication. It's a complete lie about this guy. But it doesn't end there there's also a religious charge against Paul they say he came into the temple brought a Greek into the holy place and desecrated the temple is that true and the answer is no that's a lie also so they fabricated two things insurrection and desecration of the temple first one two he's a pest they just don't like the guys really is what it is so they made up lies about him they fit right in today any amens on that one yeah they fit right in now so with that said, let's, uh, let's move into the story, Acts 24, verse 14. I'll pick it up right there in your Bibles, however your Bible is on your phone or whatever. But verse 14 says this. But this I admit to you, that according to the way which they call a sect, this is Paul speaking, I do serve the God of our fathers. That's a big verse, big statement believing everything that is in accordance with the law and that is written in the prophets he's defending himself against the Jews and he says look I, I serve the God of our fathers I believe all these things what's he telling them he's saying we both serve the same God the people that have him on trial he says we serve the same God I just serve him in a different way I worship him through Jesus Christ and that's the difference right there verse 15 having a hope in God which these men cherish themselves 
that there shall certainly be a resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked. So now Paul inserts resurrection, which is the foundation of everything in our Christianity. Amen? Without the resurrection, we have nothing. Everything is built on that. Verse 16. In view of this, I also do my best to maintain always a blameless conscience before, both before God and before men. Now, after several years, I came to bring alms, he's telling this story, to bring alms to my nation and to present offerings in which they found me occupied in the temple, having been purified without any crowd or uproar. But there were some Jews from Asia, verse 19, who ought to have been present before you, in other words, right now, to make accusation if they should have anything against me. Verse 19, here's what he's saying. As a Roman citizen, of which he is, though he's Jewish, as a Roman citizen, he has the right to have his accusers in the courtroom and to face them face to face and for them to throw out the accusations against him. But they're not there, which leads us to understand something. People who just throw out accusations, they're great at rioting, amen? But they're not great at all by coming into a courtroom and presenting facts because they're better at yelling than any fact-based uh, uh, charge against anyone. Now, verse 20. Or else let these men themselves tell what misdeed they found when I stood before the council. Verse 21. Other than for this one statement which I shouted out while standing among them, for the resurrection of the dead, I am on trial before you today. And that set them all off in the previous chapters. But Felix, here's the governor who's acting as judge. But Felix, having a more ex exact knowledge about the way, put them off saying, when Lysias, the commander, comes down, I will decide your case. Then he gave orders to the centurion for him to be kept in custody and yet have some freedom and not to prevent any of his friends from ministering to him. So he puts Paul back in jail. But he says, you know what? We're going to give you some freedom, which makes you think that Felix doesn't see any accusations valid against Paul whatsoever. But here's the funny part. More than likely in the jail, Paul would be chained to a Roman soldier and they'd be in six-hour shifts. Can you imagine being chained to maybe the greatest evangelist of all time? and theologian can you imagine saying, oh you're my neck come on chain up guy because we're going to talk about Jesus Christ and the resurrection for the next six hours can you imagine you're up next oh gosh I got Paul okay here we go now verse 24 but some days later Felix arrived with Drusilla his wife who was a Jewess and sent for Paul and heard him speak about faith in Christ Jesus. To understand, verse 25, which we'll get to in a second. You got to understand Felix and Drusilla. Felix and Drusilla. Drusilla is a sister of the last of the Herods, Herod Agrippa II. She was married to someone else. Felix stole her from her previous husband. He marries her. She becomes his third wife. There is more about her, we'll say later on. History says, though, 
that she was beautiful and very ambitious, and she's 20 years younger than Felix. So you can see there's a lot of immorality going on in their life. Now, it says she's a Jewess. She's Jewish. Did you catch that? Which means that because of the way she's living, you have to assume that she pays no attention to the laws of God that Moses received on Mount Sinai and came down. And she could care less about those things. She's a Jew, but she's going to live the way she wants to. They're the ultimate hedonists. What feels good, that's what we do. Now, think about their lifestyle, and now watch Paul's message that he preaches. It's a three-point message, verse 25, and this is what we're going to leap on today. But as he was discussing, here's Paul preaching. He's discussing righteousness, self-control, and judgment to come. Felix became frightened and said, go away for the present, and when I find time, I will summon you. Okay, let's think about that. They're living, they've committed all kinds of sins, and he preaches righteousness. Are they righteous? No. He preaches self-control. Do they have any? No. He preaches judgment to come. Are they heading for it? Yeah. So you see where Paul is attacking from. And that's why Felix gets really, really nervous to the point that he gets terrified. And he can't take much more of this. And he says, meeting over, we're done. We're not talking about this. So I'm going to give you three points. I'm going to break those three things down because they're very important in our life as believers in our ability to share. Then I'm going to connect number three, point three, to this delayed decision. And I'm going to come down there, Myrna, so if you help me with the lights here. So here we go in your notes. Number one, and the first one is this. Jesus deals with my yesterday. Jesus deals with my yesterday. Question, what's the first thing that Paul mentions in his three-point message. What's the first one? I just told you guys twice. What is it? It's righteousness, right? Question. So uh, you think Paul is a straight shooter? You think he doesn't pull any punches? He doesn't sugarcoat anything, does he? They're live there in all kinds of sin, and he's going to talk about righteousness. Now, here's the question. They're not righteous. Are we righteous? Are any of us righteous? None of us are righteous, not on our own, not a one of us. And so that's a problem, is it not? Because God is a holy God. Paul's preaching righteousness. So what are we going to do about that? Well, we can. We can react or respond to something, but we can't do anything about that part. Now, I want to take you down. We're going to do a lot more scripture cross-referencing, I should say, than we normally do on a Sunday today, because I want you to understand this. Because Jesus does deal with our past. And he has to deal with our past for us to have a future in eternity. Amen to that one? Now look at Romans chapter 3, verse 10, 11, and 12. And watch what it says. It says, this is Paul again, the guy who's on trial. He wrote a lot of New Testament stuff. It says, as it is written, there is none righteous, not even how many? There's not even one. Say, Jim, you're not righteous? No, not on my own, no. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks for God. Huh. All have turned aside. Together they have become useless. And that word useless is the idea of spoiled milk. 
That's the idea of it. There is none who does good. There's not even one. Now, somebody may say, what do you mean I've never done a good deed? There's none who does continuously good, guys. There's nobody that does that whatsoever. So now every one of us is in a dilemma. Every one of us has a problem because none of us are righteous and God is holy and God is righteous. So how do I spend eternity? How do I get there if I'm unrighteous? It gets worse. Romans 3, 23, because I'm not righteous. Watch this. Read it with me. One, two, three, four. Question, how many is all? It's everybody. For all have what? All of sin fall short of the glory of God. Now, so everybody has sinned and everyone has fallen short of the glory of God. When Adam and Eve, before they sinned, they were naked and they were unashamed, correct? After they sinned, they look at each other and go, oh no, we're what? Oh no, we're naked. There's something wrong with me. They realize that they fall short. I, I, I don't measure up. I fall short. So they get fig leaves and they cover up, correct? So they're going to cover up with fig leaves to compensate or try to overcompensate for their perceived. They understand I fall short. And I'll give you a segue right here if you want to think on this one because I've thought on it plenty of times. Think about the fig leaves. The fig leaves create a new image. Do they not? Yes or no? Yes, because they reject the image that God gave them. Any amens on that? Is that not the struggle today in America? That's exactly the struggle. It started in the garden. We reject ourselves because we know we fall short. There's something I don't like about myself, so I'm going to take on some fig leaves, whatever my new fig leaves are, and I'm going to create the image I want to be because I can just think that and be that, and that's what it is today. Any amens? That's exactly the problem. It goes way back to the garden. That's what it is right there. Now, and so now everyone has sinned and everyone falls short. So we've got a big problem, do we not? So what do we need? We need somebody who has never sinned. We need somebody who is righteous. We need somebody to come along and do something for us in our lives to open the door because we can't make it to God, correct? And that person's name is Jesus Christ. So Jesus comes, he dies, he's buried, and he rises from the dead and now he's, off, he's offering us new life. Now, stop right there, because people, you know, and this is where, where um, oh no, I need a next verse. John 14, 6, Jesus said this. Read it with me, one, two, three. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Ah, uh, two things in that I want to point out but the second one's with the message first off when you give your life to Christ do you jump on Jesus way say yeah say yeah it's not a true question okay so you got saved you jump on his way now once you're on his way walking with them then you jump into the the truth right you start reading God's word correct and that changes your thinking correct so now you're walking Jesus' way, you're reading the Bible, you're studying the Bible, you're in the truth, your mind is being transformed, and that results in way, truth, and, and life. You walk in new life, abundant life, God's life. Amen? Does that make sense? But notice the exclusivity of Christianity, of what Jesus stated. He says, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father but through Him. In other words, there is no other way, Right? And isn't this where some people get angry with us Christians? How can you Christians be so intolerant to say that you people have the only way that Jesus... Ever heard that one before? 
Let me tell you why I can follow that one easy in my life. Because Jesus made the statements. He proclaimed he is God. People say he never proclaimed. Yeah, he did all through the Gospels. That he is God. He also said that he would die. And he also said that he would rise from the dead. Did he not do all those things? Yes, he did. And anybody can state that and it happens. I just tend to believe he's the guy, right? I mean, I believe. Now, any sports fans here? Let me, let me raise your hand. Anyone ever watch 30 for 30? Anyone ever watch this 30? Raise your hand. I want to know 30 for 30 people. Okay, raise your hand. Okay, good. Okay, 30. That's uh, any 30 for 30s over here? You? What, 30 for 30? Wow. But your husband doesn't. We'll leave it alone, Chris. Okay. Okay, so there's this one 30 for 30. Do you remember the 80s, the great series between Celtics and Lakers? Remember those days? Well, there's this one 30 for 30. And if you never watch 30 for 30, watch this one if it ever comes up. It talks about, and they're interviewing the players from that era. And there's this one scene where Byron Scott, remember Byron Scott of the Lakers back in the 80s? Byron Scott's talking, and he says in one of these title games that Larry Bird walks out on the court. And Byron Scott's telling, he says, he walks out, he comes up to us and he says, I'm going to run over here, then I'm going to run over there, then I'm going to catch the ball there, and I'm going to shoot it, and I'm going to make it, we're going to win, and there's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> and Larry Bird, after that, ball in play, he runs over there, he runs over here, he catches the ball, shoots it from there, makes it, Celtics win. And the way Byron Scott described it, he goes, he ran there, he ran, he ran there, and he, he did it, he made it. He would tell you what he's going to do, and then he did it, and it went in. Guys, that's impressive, is it not? Well, Jesus said, I'm going to die. They're going to bury me, and I'm going to rise from the dead, and he did it. Is that impressive or what? I think it's pretty. You can clap to that one. That's okay. I think that's impressive, and anybody that does that, I just kind of believe that guy is God, and I'm going to follow him. Where am I out of my notes now? Let me take a look here. Okay. I get excited about Jesus sometimes. Sometimes. Okay, so, okay, but here's the thing now. now. So, I put my faith in him. I'm unrighteous. I'm a sinner. I got this past in my life. How many have committed at least 90,000 sins? <laughs> okay. How many again? How many committed at least 90,000? The rest of you are over that one. I got to go higher or what? 200,000? Anyway, 200,000. Okay. You see how unrighteous, and by, by the way, if you walked in here today and you think, I'm the only sinner here, are you kidding? <laughs> Quit taking credit. <laughs> We're all, we all, we've committed so many sins in our life, right? So we needed this person to come and wipe it all the way to be the righteous one. Now, when Jesus did this and he shed that precious blood and we put our faith in him, here's what happened, how, why he deals with our past righteousness. Put it up there. Read this one and let's read it deliberately and slowly. One, two, three. He made him who? No sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Whoa. That's the verse you should commit to memory if you deal with guilt in your life. If you struggle with being forgiven in your life. Jesus, because of what he's done, and we put our faith in him, we take on his righteousness. Do we not? Yes or no? We're not righteous. 
But the moment I put my faith in him, I become righteous. I take on his righteousness, correct? So that when God looks at me, views me, he views me through the blood of Jesus. Does he not? And therefore, I'm declared absolutely innocent of all sin in my life. Is that a good deal or not? Everything's washed away and I'm declared innocent of every sin in my life. Who wouldn't want that? You have to be crazy not to want that. So that means that Jesus deals with my past. Any amens? Anybody like that one right there? So I don't have to do any of those, any of those um, uh, past negative visitations in my head to my past. Anybody do that? Anybody visit your past negatively in your head? Raise your hand. Come on, raise them up all you, baby. Yeah, you don't have to do that anymore. You're absolutely declared righteous. So why do that? Why do that? No, he deals with my past. It's a done deal. And if somebody else brings it up, hey, that's their problem, right? Right? But by the way, I'll give you a balance. If you do owe somebody some money in your pre-Jesus days, go pay them back, okay? That's what if you did borrow somebody's tool and you said tough luck, go give it back or go buy them a new replacement. Any amens? So fix those things in your life. Now, the second thing is this. Not only with our past, but he helps us in, our, in my today. Because now Jesus talks about uh, self-control, correct? Now, self-control has to do with my life right now. How do I, uh, how am I able to control my life where I don't jump into sin, where I can say no to certain things in my life? Well, I'm gonna give you two of, there's many, many ways I could take you in scripture, but time-wise, I'll give you two. First one is this one, Galatians 5, 22, 23. These are the fruits of the Spirit. Read it with me, one, two, three. But the fruit of the Spirit is? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, louder, self-control. Against such things there is? Oh, that bottom line is a great line, but I don't have time. Self-control. So here's how it works. Um, that's the fruit of the Spirit, right? Now, has anyone met the person that lives inside of you that wants to commit some sin? How, how many have met that person? Raise your hand. Oh, there's eight of you over here. How many have met the person inside of you that wants to commit sin? Raise your hand. Come on. Come on. Quit pretending. You're on TV. <laughs> yeah, we all have that person, right? They want to go back and do some bad stuff, huh? They want to gossip. They want to lie. They want to pretend. They just want to do some stuff. Well, guess what? Now, when I gave my life to Christ, the Holy Spirit lives in me, right? So I have this, 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 I have God living inside of me. Did you know that? No, I have God who created everything living inside me, and so do you as a believer. So you have this powerful person living in you, and it helps you deal with the old guy, the old gal in you that wants to sin, right? There's somebody more powerful in you. Now, I, um, it's been 10 days now, and I decided, okay, that I was going to get off candy. Has anyone ever done that before? <laughs> Raise your hand. If you know my misery right now, I'm just... I'm going to ask another... Be honest now. I am an absolute candy-addicted fiend. Anyone? Just raise your hand. I just want to know who's on my team. 
because we're going to start a Candyolics Anonymous right after this. Because I'm, I'm with you on that one. I just, uh, man, I love candy. I can eat candy every day. I can eat candy any time. And you people bring candy at Christmas time and Easter to the office here. And it's like, are you, you guys are going to kill me. And the, but I decided to get off candy. The first three days were misery. Uh, you know, right? You ever try to get off coffee? It's like misery. You ever try to get off Coca-Cola or Pepsi? It's misery. And so, okay, I get off candy. And so this last Friday, um, Friday for me is my day off. So what I do on Friday, I go to a coffee shop, study for three hours. Then I go to the gym, you could tell. And then after that, <laughs> why'd you laugh? <laughs> I didn't come here to get offended, okay? So, um, and then after I leave the gym, I do go to the gym. I go, I go to Walmart. For anything that my wife needs or I need. Now, typically at Walmart, I would go there and there's things I would buy there and it's always the same stuff, but one of them was go down the candy aisle. Anybody down the candy aisle at Walmart? That's a big aisle, huh? And I'm walking by and, I'm, and, and my mind says, just walk by and, and just see if they have the ones you like. <laughs> now, who's saying that? The old guy, huh? He wants that candy. And well, Olivia and I, we like the ones where it's, uh, they're like those, uh, they're like the, the, the green candy apple suckers with the caramel on the top. You know those? Don't you feel like having one right now? I have one right here. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. But I, no, I got to keep walking. I got to keep walking. And I did not turn down that aisle because I knew if I did, if they had them, I'd buy a couple bags. And I got to stay out there because the old guy wants it. Now, do you know the old guy, those who didn't raise your hand? There's an old guy, he wants to sin. She wants to, he wants to do what they want to do. So now I have the Spirit of God living in me. So God's helping me deal with my present because I have Jesus in my life. But it gets better than that. Watch this, Romans 6 6. Read it with me. Knowing this, stop. You better know this, Paul says. Knowing this, that our old self, there he is again, was crucified with him Jesus in order that our body of sin might be done away so that we would no longer be slaves to to sin that's loaded huh so when I got saved the old guy in me the old Jim that wants a candy and wants to do other sins that guy was crucified with Jesus on the cross right and once he's crucified now the old guy won't be, be can't do what he wants to do right because I got the spirit of God living right Okay, now look at the words done away in that verb. Done away. Big, big, big. Because done away, well, let me explain it this way. Remember a couple weeks ago I used the illustration from the 1978 Superman movie? Anyone remember that? Christopher Reeve, anyone remember that? Okay, good. Now, the 1978 Superman movie uh, starred Christopher Reeve. It was the first one that was so cool, but now it's cheesy graphics, but it's still a great movie. Um, but some of you do, some of you don't know that Christopher Reeve, 6'4", about 230 pounds, played Superman, 1978 and beyond. He loved riding horses. Remember that? And he was thrown in the 90s from a horse, landed on his head. He was paralyzed, quadriplegic. He could only, from here up, that's all he had. It's tragedy. He died some, some years back from that. But to think about that. Here's a guy who was 6'4", 230 pounds, played Superman, and all he could do now was talk. That's all he could do. All his power was gone. The words done away in Romans 6.6 6 
means the old nature of the old body of sin done away done away means powerless or paralyzed this is why Paul says know it know that your old nature the old you that wants to sin that guy was crucified with Jesus that old guy is a quadriplegic now inside of you he can yell at you he can scream at you but he can't make you go down that candy aisle he can't make you and I do anything but he sure screams a lot that he wants his way huh but you've been set free you've been set free that old guy is powerless in your life you no longer have to live that way you can live according to the spirit of God and the spirit and the word of God in your life so he helps you with today now the next one Jesus delivers me from my tomorrow now we have a tomorrow now this is big too because he's talking about judgment right Paul says judgment now there are two judgments in the Bible one for the Christian and one for the non-Christian so let's take the Christian one first so I can show you the two judgments in the Bible because this is about your tomorrow 2 Corinthians 5.10 read it with me 1, 2, 3 for we all for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds say in the body according to what he has done whether good or or bad Ah, so this is called the bema seat of Jesus Christ so as a Christian listen you're going to stand in judgment not for your sins so don't stress it don't sweat it your sins are washed away by the blood of Jesus so you're not being judged for any sins whatsoever you're going to heaven you know you pass go etc etc you're going to get there but what you and I are going to do is stand before Jesus Christ and we will be judged for our deeds that we did in the body whether good or bad in other words when Jesus says I will build my church the church the idea of church is not walls and a building it's the idea of a group of people coming together for a common purpose what are you doing in the body what are you doing here see and we're going to be judged for that what, what are we doing we do anything because our rewards in eternity will be based on that and somebody once told me I don't care about rewards you will then I guarantee you will. And you'll be very concerned about Jesus looking in your face and saying, what did you do for me? What did you do? That's a big deal, huh? So we need to live our lives according to the will of God, not according to what we want to do, because once we gave our life to Christ, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. They will keep you from going up and down in your faith, in and out of church, this and that, it will keep you from all that. You will be solid, my friend. Now, that's a Christian. You're going to heaven, but you'll be judged for your deeds in the body. Now, for the unbeliever, and this is what got Felix so nervous in that message Paul gives him in this chapter. Revelation 20, 11, This There's a, a judgment for the unbelievers, the rejectors of Jesus. The ones who said, ah, I don't need him. Let me read it. This is John the Revelator. He's one of the 12 original apostles. He gets the vision the apocalypse he says then I saw a great white throne and him who sat upon it from whose presence earth and heaven fled and no place was found for them this is the bad one 
This is the one that Paul probably explained to, to Felix and he got shook up. Because of the white throne judgment. Where every unbeliever will stand. And at this moment, they'll be judged for their sins because their sins were never washed away. They never put faith in Christ. And they will be cast after this, not into hell. They've already been waiting in hell. Now, they've been resurrected for this judgment. They'll be cast in the lake of fire and brimstone, which is called the second death, and that's forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Now, somebody might think this. You know, why is the punishment for sin so long? I mean, eternity, really? Let me try to answer, give you an answer for somebody who asks you that question. In the natural, is the punishment for a crime today the length of time that it took the crime to perform the crime? Of course, don't judge on big cities. They're letting people go all the time, so don't judge on that. That's why those cities are crumbling. I can show you a verse on that too if you don't believe me. But if you kill somebody and you take a gun, it take you seconds to kill them, right? But you killed them. You took their life. So that's why you should get life because you took their earthly life so you should give your life and that should be the punishment the crime took seconds but the punishment is the length of a person's life question first question all sin is not just against the humans we sinned against but against who God oh all sins against God how long does God exist for oh so we're committing sins against an eternal being who never ends. So therefore, since we, our crime is against God, sin is against God, the punishment is eternity because you've sinned against an eternal being. Does that make sense? That's your answer if anybody ever asks you. That's one of your answers. Always remember that. Now, judgment to come. Let's go back to Felix. He's listening to all this. And it says in verse 25, let me read it again. But as he was discussing righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix became frightened because he knows he's in sin and said, go away for the present and when I find time, I will summon you. He delays the decision, does he not? It's a bad move, right? Right? He says, he gets scared. He says, get away from me. Uh, I'll find some other time to, to listen to you. That's dangerous. Never do we find in scripture that Felix ever gave his life to Christ. Uh, I want you to think now. Think. Please think. So he's got this window open. And he's shook up. We say, oh, he's afraid. He's also convicted, right? And this is when he's the most raw on the inside, where the Spirit of God is hammering down inside this guy. And he's got a window open, and will he jump through the window and become a Christian, get saved, put faith in Christ, or will he just say, nope? 
we'll talk later. We know that Paul's going to be there for a couple years, and he's been talking to Felix for a couple years. Felix never, never, we read, he never gets saved. Let me tell you what the danger is in delaying of a decision to give your life to Christ when you know it's got you, it's shaking you right now. This is the moment. Because the more, when you first hear the gospel, it shakes you up. But if you delay, the next time you hear it, it doesn't shake you up as much, huh? And the next time, it doesn't shake you up as much. And the next time, it doesn't shake you up as much. And the next time, it doesn't shake you up as much. Until pretty soon, you could be a teenager in this room and your parents have brought you to church and you don't want to be here whatsoever and you've heard this story so many times, it doesn't bother you one bit. You're in the most dangerous position in life because you're numb. You are numb to the gospel because you won't need that. I've heard that before. Yeah, it used to shake you up, but don't shake you up anymore. I've been saved 44 years coming up in August. I was 23 when I became a Christian. I remember the first year I became a Christian. And you know, when you first become a Christian, it's the best year. You know why? Because you have all kinds of unbelieving friends, do you not? You have this pool of people you get to witness to. And it was fantastic. But after you've been saved a long time, all your friends are Christian, right? We've got to get some unbelieving friends here. But I have this one friend. This is f- almost, uh, almost 44 years ago. I was witnessing to this person one night. And all I knew that first year was end times. Anyone remember those days? I tell about the Antichrist, 666. They're going to chop your head off and the whole shot, you know. Because that's what it says in Revelation. And so <laughs> I was sharing with him, and he was scared. He was scared. And I pushed for him to receive Christ. And he said this to me. In his fear and panic, he says, I need to share this with my girlfriend first. He leaves. Whether he shared with his girlfriend or not, I don't know. Almost 44 years later, he's still not a Christian. Still not a Christian. He had a moment back in 1979 where he was shook. He was just shook. He was, oh my gosh, he was. The door opened, he delayed the decision, and the door closed. And he's not safe today. Here's what I find fascinating I don't know if Dr. Luke, who writes Acts, planned this, but it's so cool. You have Felix in chapter 24. He's all shook up by the message. The window's open. But he says, uh, you know, no, not now. Get away from me. I'll, uh, I'll talk to you later. And we never see that he becomes a Christian. So he goes into eternity, into eternal judgment. He's, in the lake, he's going to go to the lake of fire eventually. But if you backed up in Acts chapter 16, you find another terrified individual. We know him as what's called the Philippian jailer. Ever heard of that guy? Because Paul and the guys are in jail. And, you know, God's still going to use them, so God causes an earthquake because they're singing praises. Remember they're singing praises while in stocks? Remember that? 
and God causes an earthquake and the shackles fall off and everything and the door opens and here comes the jailer because he's scared. He thinks all the in inmates have escaped because if they escape, it will cost him his life because he didn't do his job. That's why that was the law for them back then. He's going to kill himself. Paul says, no, we're all in here. Don't do that. And it said he was terrified. I can only imagine the conversation in those next few seconds but we do know as a result of that his fear and everything that happened in his terror he gave his life to Christ and he goes home and leads his family to Christ so we have one guy in fear his heart's open the window of open he takes the window's open he takes it and we have Felix the window's open in fear he goes oh, I'll talk to you later and we never read that he got saved You cannot delay the decision. Because once the window of your heart opens, once that gospel penetrates, you close that window, you delay it, you get numb, you get numb, you get numb to it until the gospel presentation doesn't even bother you anymore. You take it while it's there. You take it while it's there. So if you're here today and you've never placed your faith in Christ, then today's the day. Something has pricked your heart. That's the Spirit of God. Or if you backslid, and you've been so numb to this thing for so long, but you're here today. But you know it's, it's You know what? I, I, gotta, I gotta get my life right with God. I gotta do that. I can't play. I can't play. My heart's open, and I gotta jump through that window. If you're in any one of those two positions, the time is right now. June 4th, 2023. I can tell you my date, August 12th, 1979. The day everything changed in my life. For the good. For the good. But today's your day. So I'm going to ask you right now just to close your eyes. Bow your head. And here's the question again. If you've never given your life to Christ and you'd like to, that I want you right now or if you backslid you'd like to come back to grace I'd like you right now to open up your eyes and look up at me right now I'm going to look back at you and once our eyes have met you can close them but do it right now do it now now those who looked up at me I'm going to say this prayer I want you to repeat it Everyone here, you Christians who are here, I want you to repeat it with them so that they're not alone. But as you repeat this prayer, I want you to believe it because it's in the believing that changes everything. It's in the believing that the Spirit of God comes to live inside of you. It's in the believing that all your past will be washed away, all the sin. It's in the believing that you will spend eternity with God. So here we go. Repeat after me, especially those who looked at me. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me so much that you would die for me on a cross. 
shed your blood to forgive my sins forgive me of all my sins thank you for that forgiveness I give my life to you I surrender come dwell in me thank you for saving me today I choose to follow you for the rest of my life let me pray friends God I pray I pray for those who looked up at me today that you would follow Christ with your whole heart now no turning back thank you Jesus for doing all that work for us so that we could experience great relationship with God the Father through you the Son thank you thank you Father for your goodness to us Lord in Jesus name we pray and we all said Amen. amen and amen well, praise the Lord oh, stand up with me everybody I'm not going to forget this week whatsoever with gusto everybody with excitement with passion here we go Lord keep me outward focused and fill me with your spirit give me the boldness to share the gospel with others open up opportunities to minister outside the church because I see what I'm looking for and make me into a generous person like you. God bless you guys. You have prayer at all? See my friends in the corner. Have a great rest of your day. If you need prayer or dedicated your life to Christ, please reach out to us on our social media, on Facebook and Instagram at NBCC Norco, or email us at hello at NBCC.com. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe to this podcast.